Dale's Petcast. They provide unconditional love, unlimited companionship, and unquestionable support. We're talking about your pets. Useful information for you to better care for and understand your pet. This is Steve Dale's Petcast, brought to you by MerrickPetCare.com. Welcome to another Petcast. Steve Dale Petcast, brought to you by Merrick Pet Care. And we are going to talk about a very, very common topic, increasingly common as our pets are living longer than ever before, and that is what to do as they age, how you can even tell your pet is in pain. That's applicable for dogs, even more so, I'd argue, for cats. And we'll talk with Dr. Daniel Conway. She is residency trained in nutrition and has certifications in, get this, acupuncture, herbal medicine, and chiropractic medicine. Hello, Dr. Conway. Hello. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, I think I'll just jump in. And uh, I said our pets are living longer than ever before. As they age, we see, of course, as you do in older people, a certain number of problems. But I, I would argue that we have more solutions than, say, 20 years ago. Oh, absolutely, without question. And I tell my clients that my whole career goal is to figure out a way to make dogs and cats live even longer, but better quality, not just quantity, quality. Well, that's what it's about with our our pets, right? It's quality of life. And what I have found, actually, there's data now to support this, that, first of all, most pet parents happen to be statistically Millennials and Gen Xers. And more than ever before, that group is willing to try acupuncture, herbal medicine, chiropractic medicine, rehabilitation medicine, uh, massage therapy, and the list goes on. They are more open to that. That's what the data suggests. Is that your experience as well? Yes, I... Although I have clients from all generations. Sure, of course. Not not just millennials, Gen X, but yeah. But more so, yes, it's gotten much more popular than it has been, for sure. And what we know today, and you'll tell me about this, is there's science to support that this stuff really works. It's not, you know, I was talking to you before <laughs> the interview, and I said alternative therapies, and you probably hear that all the time. Um, I guess it's an alternative, but it's not like way out there anymore, is it? It's not. And I will often correct people when they say alternative, because to me, I'm not an alternative practitioner. I'm an integrative practitioner, and I integrate the best of conventional medicine with these extra tools in my tool belt that I've gone out and achieved to be able to really, really maximize and help my patients live their most vibrant, healthy lives as long as they can. And what I have found is that uh, particularly for, I mean, you mentioned that a lot of your clients, or some of them anyway, may be older, they're all over the map as far as age, but for a certain number of folks of a certain age in particular, they're doing this, they're doing the acupuncture or chiropractic medicine uh, as almost a last resort and would never try it on themselves or have a no history of doing this sort of thing for themselves, where, again, I'm generalizing, but 
the millennials and Gen Xers, it seems, do have at least some experience personally with some of these things. Absolutely. I would say I've, I've absolutely um, observed that in my practice. Um, and my, my goal is, and the way I practice, and I've always practiced in large specialty referral centers and academia, is really to promote these additional tools and modalities so that they're not last-ditch efforts. So many of my patients, I say, oh, goodness, if I'd only gotten you six months earlier, two years earlier, there's so much more that we could have done. All right. So let's kind of start there. And that is, how can you tell? It seems like such an easy question. But how can you tell your pet is in pain? And uh, yeah, it's yeah, not, yeah, it's not an easy question. Right. Can, um, we, can we talk about why? And then, OK, we'll talk about dogs and we'll talk about cats. So what are some signs? I'll start with the easy one for dogs that a dog may be in pain. Now, clearly, any pet parent knows if the dog is screaming, the dog's in pain. If the dog is hit by a car, the dog's... I'm not talking about that. I'm talking more about chronic pain that creeps up on the pet or something else going on. It could even be GI pain but or something like that, but something else going on uh, that the pet parent may not notice, even though dogs often do tell us, but I'd argue they don't always. It's, it's very subtle because they're pack animals. And in you know when they were pack animals, if you showed sign of weakness, often you were kind of called out of, of the pack. So they are evolutionary wired to not show us when they are sick and in pain. So it, they show very subtle signs when they do, and they can be hard to pick up on. What are some of them? They are basically any changes in attitude or behavior. And specifically... Mobility-wise, are they getting up a little bit slower than they used to? Are they? Is it taking them longer to move from a sitting position to a standing position? Is it taking them longer from going from a laying down position to a standing position? Are they going slower down the stairs or up the stairs? Or even are they maybe resisting or pausing at the top of the stairs before they go up or go down? That can be a sign that they're uncomfortable and their back hurts, their their elbows hurt, their hips hurt. Um, are they no longer as enthusiastic to do the things they used to love? Ch- chase a ball, go swimming. Um, and it's not always as dramatic as not wanting to do it anymore. But maybe it's, you know, they can't chase the ball for 20 minutes like they used to. Now it's 15. And most people would say, oh, it's just they're getting old. They're slowing down. And that may be true. But it also may be that it's because they're in pain and it's worth having them get looked at. Now, for cats, I would argue some, I mean, certainly some of what you said is true for cats, too. And it's sometimes just that look that a cat, so cats uh, may jump on a table and are still jumping on that table. But now the cat hesitates for just a split second or mm-hmm. looks at that table and says, I don't know about that. And it's just so brief. You really have to pay attention to see that it's happening. Yep. Cats almost do this rock. Like when, when, they're, when they hurt and they don't want to jump up, they, yep. they can jump up. But they do this kind of like a little rocking back and forth. And it's subtle. But if you look for it, it's there. And sometimes it's even the way they go downstairs. And for dogs, too. Mm-hmm. So a dog may go down the stairs or a cat maybe at the same speed that the dog always did, but now the dog is going on an angle, or the cat is going on an angle. 
is that one one possibility as well? And I'll add to that while I'm still talking here, the way in which a cat or dog is just even mm-hmm. laying down and relaxing, but their position when they lay down even can tell you a lot. Can you comment on both of those? Yep. Exactly. All, all of the above. So um, going downstairs, they can go off at an angle or up at an angle. Um, very common with hip pain for both dogs and cats for, while they go up and downstairs or even running the bunny hop. So they'll use both of their hind limbs together and kind of bunny hop up the stairs or bunny hop across the yard um, or in a cat you know, scenario, they'll, they'll kind of bunny hop after the toy. And also, um, yes, that their, their, their gait pattern changes in general. So the way a cat may be laying down, maybe scrunched up, I don't know how else to say it, as opposed to just mm-hmm. laying on its, his or her side. Or even if they only lay on one side. Yeah. So they'll either hunch up and and not relax, they'll kind of look very tight and tense in the ball. Or maybe they only lay to the right side with their left leg kicked out, always. Same for dogs and cats. And you can tell by looking at their faces, too. And people are saying, what? My cat's face always looks the same. Well, there's something called a grimace scale now. So Mm -hmm. cats have more difficulty expressing how they feel looking at their face, simply in part because they don't have as many facial muscles as dogs do, but they, it turns out, really do. Can you comment a bit on that? They do. They absolutely do. And you can see it, you know, in these great YouTube videos of, of cats specifically, but cats and dogs. And for me, it's in their eyes. Like I can look when a pet walks into my exam room, look at their eyes and tell if they're in pain. They get glazed over. They get glassy. Hmm. They're not that bright, shiny, sparkly appearance that they have when they're not in pain. Okay. It's so almost like the lights are on, mm-hmm. but nobody's home. <laughs> All right. So that brings up another topic. You can tell maybe more than most, because this is what you do every single day. And and the other thing is, if it's my pet, it's what, what's that expression? It's hard to tell the forest from the trees from the forest, the forest, I don't even know how it goes. But if it's your own pet, uh, I would argue even for you, for your own pet, it might be more difficult than, say, if you assessed my pet. So when it's your own pet, it's uh, it's always going to be tougher. So here's what I'm getting at. And that's telemedicine is this because i bring my cat or dog into your clinic you're not seeing that animal move as that dog or cat would move at home however Mm -hmm. with telehealth now i'm not suggesting you don't need to get your hands on ultimately your hands on the animal of course you do but with telehealth you can get a preview or maybe videos it doesn't have to be telehealth it could be the the pet parent taking videos of that dog walking, but you may not have stairs in your clinic, but that dog walking up and down stairs or doing things that that dog or cat does every single day. And even if your clinic had stairs, your dog's not gonna, that dog's not going to respond the same way in a veterinary room, exam room, or a clinic as that pet would at home. Exactly. Yeah, videos are wonderful. Telehealth is great for that, too. Um, and also even just taking the animal outside, not cat, you can't really do this too, but a dog, you take them for a walk outside on the grass, 
versus on the slippery, you know, floor that most vet clinics are unfortunately covered in, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, will unveil a lot of nuances. And and there's one other thing to tell if your cat is in pain, I think, and that's if you catch your cat on Amazon ordering a walker, then you know there's there's <laughs> definitely a problem. All right, so now you... Grooming less, too. A big thing for cats is grooming less yeah. um, and decreased food intake. And this is where for cats, it's usually different than dogs. People, people commonly free feed their cats. Mm-hmm. And so they don't always know exactly what their cat's taking in day to day. Um, but really trying to track their intake and um, kind of feel them and feel that they're getting more matted than they normally are, that can be a sign that... Um, they're they're either unhealthy, they're not feeling well, or they're in pain. And I would argue, yeah, you're uh, yes, uh, but I would also add to that and say, now you've got a psychologically impaired cat in a sense because it is about cat well being to be able to groom yourself. And that mm-hmm. cat, I don't know if I'd go so far as to say psychologically depressed. I mean, that's hard to say. But a cat that's not able to groom himself or herself. Uh, because of pain, I would argue, isn't only in pain physically, but is in some pain, might not be the best word, psychologically. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. All right. None of us It's want... not able to exhibit one of its normal yeah. behaviors. Yep. 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 Exact. Better put than I did, but exactly what I'm trying to say. So none of us want our pets to be in pain, of course. So we can do something about it. And Yes, there are pharmaceuticals out there, but today there are many additional options, I believe. And some of them have to do with just exercise, and yes, even for cats, which I'll let you talk about. But there's much more, and we rattled off some of them very early on. Now, we're not talking about only older animals, but greatly we are. So, all right, I'm generalizing, but you have, I'll start with dogs, a dog that is in pain in some way, having probably to do, say, with hip pain or osteoarthritis related to the leg joint, maybe knee pain, I don't know, back pain. The What do you do? Where do you go from there? Yeah, yeah. And so I'm going to zoom out a little bit. And my kind of four cornerstones of of wellness for any of my patients are keep them healthy, keep them well-nourished, keep them moving, keep them thinking. And so zooming in on, on your specific question, keep them moving. Um, when they when they have hip pain and they're not moving, what are some things that we can do? Um, well, first would be, you know, it's a visit to to the veterinarian. I think that, you know, I'm sorry if that's obvious for, for stating okay. that. Um, and just making sure that getting some x-rays, maybe some, some diagnostics to make sure that there's nothing that's in, an easy fix. Um, making sure that that thing that's an easy fix, or or that warrants more um, more interventions. If it comes back that you know the dog just has just I say just that has hip arthritis, um, there's still a lot that that we can do in terms of of nutraceuticals, um, omega three fatty acids from fish oils, specifically the two forms are EPA and DHA. We have a lot of evidence that they are very anti-inflammatory and can really help with mobility and joint pain. Now, that's true for dogs and, and so cats, that's correct? Both. It's both dogs and cats, yes. Should, and so that's should, why I send people to their vet to get a dose specifically of, because we're being very targeted, mm-hmm. of how much of these two fatty acids 
that either dog or cat should be taking in to reach their joints and have the therapeutic effect we're looking for. And let's say I have a three-year-old... And recommend a product. Sure. Now, let's say I have a three-year-old dog or cat. Should I start way before I'm beginning to see a problem with some of these things like uh, omega-3 and omega-6? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. And that's where I think, you know, the 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 kind of complementary modalities are most potent and powerful is when they're implemented early. So yes, your three-year-old, let's say it's a three-year-old Labrador. Yes, should start on fish oil. Start on a joint supplement as well um, to help really preserve the health of, of the joint. Let's talk about acupuncture a little bit. Uh, yeah. What, what I, I think people know it's needles and they're put in people, but what's going on when that happens? Yeah, so there's actually a lot of evidence now, and we know what goes on when that needle is inserted. So there's a local reaction when that needle is inserted, and it stimulates local immune cells and blood vessels, and it also has a, has a cascade that simulates our nervous system to help block pain. Um, it does a lot physiologically um, to help with pain control and pain mechanism, and also to bring blood flow and restore blood flow to an area that's maybe a little bit restricted. And does it work? It does. It does. Yeah, there aren't a lot of double-blind placebo-controlled studies looking at just acupuncture because it's hard to design a study. I tried, actually, in, in, in reptiles. Really? But most of our studies, yeah, most of our studies you compare the modality or the nutraceutical against a conventional modality like an, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory like a, like a Rimadil or something like that. And, 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 and they usually don't perform as well, but we wouldn't expect them to, right? And they're not as strong, they're not as potent. Um, and there's hopefully a new way of researching that's getting more popular where it's almost a do-no-harm. Mm-hmm kind of way of looking at it, um, and I can share you with my clinical practice that, yes, that n- none of my clients regret getting acupuncture. And I always approach it because I get some skeptics. Some skeptics come to me and they would say, Dr. Conway, I don't really want to be here. I don't believe in what you do, <laughs> but <Really? laughs> I'm desperate. Uh-huh. And so I say, we're going we're gonna to give it six sessions once a week for six weeks. And if you don't feel like it's helping, I'm not going to waste your time or your money anymore. Well, the thing, And I would say just I have not had anybody come and say that they had wasted their time or money. And the thing about our companion animals, there is a kind of placebo effect, but it's not the same as in people. And uh, either, either in some cases, either you've helped or you haven't. I mean, you can actually measure the difference. Well, that's the fun thing about physical therapy is there's a lot of quantitative measurements that we can take. We can take limb circumference and, and measure the muscle mass. Um, I can measure the joint angles of their joints. Um, I can do gait analysis if, if there's fancy um, a gait equipment where you can actually look and show. Even a client who's like, I don't think it's helping. He's like, well, they've gained 10% flexion you know, or extension in their right hip, so something, something's working. <laughs> so aside from senior diets, if we're talking about senior pets, what are some things we could do nutritionally? You are a resident trained in nutrition, so if anyone can tell me, I'm sure you can. Yeah, the most most important 
thing that we can do to help not only our pets be more mobile, but help them live longer is keep them lean. Keep them lean, keep them lean, keep them lean. Lean to the point of you should see a well-defined waist from the top. You should see a nice hourglass figure. Same from the side. Their waist should tuck up, and you should be able to feel that pretty easily. I think it was a Purina life stage study that was done years ago that found that lean animals simply even live longer, healthier lives. Yep, yep. Lean, they they split up um, litters of puppies and let one group of puppies feed kind of ab as much as they want. And they were heavy. They weren't, they were overweight, not obese. Mm -hmm. And then the other side, they controlled their intake. So they were very, very lean. And the very, very lean ones lived longer, had less chronic diseases and better mobility. Now I'm going to drive you crazy with this question, but uh, it's called the internet. People go there and they order all these herbal products. And, Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. There are thousands out there for pets now. I mean, maybe literally that many. Uh, How does the pet parent know, okay, that one is just really all about marketing, but this one might work? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a great question and something that I fight against every day in that companies, they don't have to prove, especially with nutraceuticals and animal nutraceuticals versus human nutraceuticals, that what's in the bottle matches what's on the label and that it's safe and effective. So those three things. So, so what can what can a pet owner do? Call the company. Ask if they're doing any independent laboratory analysis of their product to make sure what's in the bag matches what's on the label. Mm-hmm. Are they doing any studies or working with veterinarians for efficacy, efficacy work, efficacy studies, and ask them those questions. And, and the company should be able to. Yes, and even direct you towards those studies or the centers or institutions that they're researching with. Well, we could talk so much more about this topic. I know you often do at uh, conferences and such because we've just touched the surface of all of this. I I guess I'll ask you what the underlying point is and my hunch is there are options and for the most part our pets really never need to be in pain would would am i going too far no that's that's absolutely spot on and now we can do lots of options yeah and if you investigate and you're open to the idea that these things these modalities that were once called alternative approaches don't ever do that because you'll drive dr conway nuts apparently but they're not (laughs) but they're not that anymore they're just another approach and another another possibility that can work for your pet because all pets are different and not the same, just like people, not the same answer or solution is the same for every person. Exactly. Very custom-tailored medicine. And are we going to see, looking into your crystal ball, and I'm sure you have one, are we going to see more and more use of these sorts of modalities but sort of a combination effort, if you will. We're going to do this, and we're going to do this, we're going to do this. For example, we've got to get off seven pounds. We're going to use a pharmaceutical so the pet feels well enough for now, but then we're going to go swimming, and then we're going to do some physical therapy, and then we're going to do some acupuncture, and we're going to try this nutraceutical, which is a nutritional supplement combined with a pharmaceutical. Is that the future Absolutely. Uh, that is my 
why I not only went to veterinary school, but continue to seek certification after certification is so that we can start practicing like that for every single cat and dog out there. Well, it's individualized care. It's a multimodal approach, and you're one of the leaders in the field. So it's an honor to talk to you, Dr. Daniel Conway. Thank you so much. Thank you. It was a pleasure to speak with you today. You've been listening to Steve Dale's PetCast, brought to you by MerrickPetCare.com. And as Steve always says, be good to your pet, and they'll be good to you.